Welcome to Terminal Talk. This is the podcast about mainframes and mainframe-related topics. I'm Jeff, and I have with us... Is this your third time? Uh, third time being the guest. I guess maybe sixth time being on the podcast. So a, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we love having you back. This is Dan Jast. And Dan, what is, uh, what is your role in IBM? Well, it's a great time that you're asking that question, Jeff. Oh, really? Why, why is that? <laughs> well, as of today, um, and actually starting on Friday, I'm going to be beginning a new role at IBM. Uh, my first time jumping into a new role outside of my first role in the first three years I've been at the company. Um, so I'm actually going to be starting an IBM offering manager role, um, and all my, my portfolio is going to be uh, Ansible for ZOS. That's fantastic. So congratulations. Round of hand for Dan Jast. Thank you very Ansible much. I'm patting, I'm patting myself on the back right here at home. Good, as you should. <laughs> we, we, we all have to adjust to this post-COVID world. Absolutely. So what are you going to be doing? We'll get into the, the Ansible stuff later, but what are you going to be doing as offering manager? Because we hear that word a lot, and I like to ask uh, every offering manager what that is because they all have a different answer. Yeah, for sure. So there's actually two people that are serving as offering managers in the Z Ansible space currently. Um, you probably know of them, Haley Fung and Eric Su. Yep. Um, they're focusing more on different areas, though, around Ansible. So they're focusing on the areas around, you know, the strategy, kind of the market positioning um, and, and kind of how we're releasing this from an IBM perspective. Um, I'm going to be focusing much more, and, and this kind of ties into my background of how, what I've been working with in the client experience centers, but I'll be much more focusing on client adoption as well as go-to-market kind of materials, um, presentations, demos, and, and use cases that our clients can kind of start leveraging this technology with off the, off the start here. Um, so what I'm really hoping to do is, as most of, you know, hopefully this audience knows me, um, I've been working as a client technical specialist in the client experience centers for the last um, three years now. And what I really hope to do is take that technical skill that I've gained on the ZOS platform, being, you know, kind of a system programmer there, and really being able to, one, be able to vocalize the value of what technology like Ansible can do, you know, in this area, in the ZOS space, um, but also, you know, leverage that technical background, but also my sales background to, to really be able to vocalize this, verbalize this for our clients and present on this and, and hopefully really, you know, drive this value home for, for the Z you know, clients who may not have a lot of experience with the technology like Ansible before. Right. And you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned something about a, uh, a release of Ansible. So how, how is this going to be going out to, uh, you know, to, to Z customers? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, Thank you. and, I don't know if that's fully defined yet, to be honest with you. I know how we're currently looking at it is in a couple different ways, um, one of which is via Ansible Galaxy. Um, Ansible Galaxy is the basically... I love that oh game. <laughs> Very nice. It sounds like a game, you're right. Yeah. Um, but basically what Ansible Galaxy is, is that's like the open source community version of, of Ansible Collections. And that's where, you know, in the open source clients, ISVs, business partners, as well as IBMers and other clients can all come together and kind of work on, you know, this automation platform and the capabilities together um, out in the open source um, so that's one way that I know we're delivering. Currently, there's two iterations of that that are being published by IBM today. Um, the ZOS core modules, which is a lot of like those APIs that you can find about within Zoe and ZOSMF, like submitting jobs, manipulating data sets, stuff like that. 
Yep. And then there's also the ZOSMF core um, uh, Ansible collections that they're putting out, which is all about you know submitting workflows, uh, getting data back from ZOSMF, and those type of things. Um, so that's one way that I know that we're putting it out today. The other way is that we're looking actually towards the product teams to start writing Ansible play Ansible playbooks, Ansible modules, um, and start really building out these collections for middleware specific actions as well. Um, so my my new team is actually working very in depth with the IMS team, and I know IMS is basically leading the way in creating this Ansible ready and Ansible um, enabled space to um, in, in work with IMS in a, in a way with that Ansible can do that work. So I have a I have a, a slight confession to make, Dan. Okay, that's fine with me. Um, I haven't really been paying attention to like what Ansible is over the past like six months or so. And I feel like I'm dreadfully behind. And I saw Ross Mori, um, uh, famous Terminal Talk guest Ross Mori, um, post uh, on Twitter today actually about you know released Ansible on ZOS. And uh, so I'm about to like start scrambling to get myself caught up to date. Can you give us like a, um, a ten thousand or thirty thousand foot view of like what Ansible is, what it does, what it does that I don't have to worry about anymore, and like what this whole playbook module thing is about? Yeah, absolutely. And and before I get into it, if you can hear, my voice is very happy and excited today. And one of those reasons is exactly like what you just said. The boss man, Ross Mori, actually liked my LinkedIn post right before this about my job change. So that um, makes you feel good. Exactly, exactly. Big smile on my face as I said that just now. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, so what Ansible is all about, right? So Ansible, it's, it's basically an open source software provisioning tool, configuring management tool um, that is cross-platform. And what I mean by that is the methods that it uses to configure middleware or provision software um, can be used across different architectures. So x86 has been using this for a while. Um, power systems are, are getting more and more of this over time. And you know, with the three areas that I just mentioned between the ZOSMF, um, the ZOS core, and uh, the IMS and middleware specific areas, now ZOS is starting to get this capability as well. Mm -hmm. and, and really what Ansible is driving home from that perspective is you know, a lot of what we're hearing around ZOS in the mainframe today is that we're moving towards this cloud native picture, right? We're moving into this hybrid cloud environment and we want to you know, simplify what our employees can do across different architectures and kind of create these, you know, platform neutral tools that they can interact with these different architectures between. And that's really where Ansible is going to come in and play a huge, huge part is kind of that simplification of tooling, um, that normalization of skill, you know, college students and people off platform are coming onto the platform with Ansible skill. So if we can provide, you know, different you know, ways to interact with our platform via Ansible, this just furthers that story along and even helps those, you know, those skill gaps even further that we're looking at. Um, but also, you know, off-platform, a lot of technologies are being installed via Ansible today and even on-platform. You know, for example, Linux on Z, um, ICP, IBM Cloud Private, was being installed via Ansible Playbooks, and now OpenShift yeah. is being installed by open, uh, by Ansible Playbooks. Um, so what we can see, you know, down the line potentially, is middleware on ZOS being installed by Ansible Playbooks, and it's very hands-off for the user. You know, you're editing basically some type of JSON file 
And then you're just running a playbill because it's just basically an automation utility to execute through those different variables that you're working with for your specific environment to complete a specific task. And it's, you know, there's a lot of power in that. And, and you know, from a very, very high level view, you know, with development pipelines, provisioning, orchestration type stuff, as well as some cloud provisioning models, that's what we're looking at with Ansible when it comes to the ZOS story. But we still need someone like a yourself to go in and set up all those modules and playbooks so that like they'll work every time, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, the ZOS specific skill and, you know, the system programmer role is, is still going to be required and, in my opinion, is not going to be going away ever, if not for a very, <laughs> very, very, very long time. Um, Ansible is still going to take a lot of time to kind of come up to speed here on the on our platform, right? We're going to need to almost have a little bit of a change in mindset, probably, um, as we've seen with some other modernization technologies that these technologies can and will work and can really help our environments and our modernization story here on ZOS. And, you know, that's going to be part of my new role is pushing that forward. And I'm really excited about it. So let, let's get back to that um, that IMS example. Mm-hmm. Let let's say that like, where do you think we'll be in in you know three years time? Where do you think it'll be like? Okay, here's the base product IMS, and here's a bunch of Ansible playbooks that you can like chain together to do whatever you need to do. Yeah, so I think that's basically what we're going to be looking at. I, I, exactly like you just said. Um, I think it, it's kind of going to be like. You know, and I'm not really an IMS expert by any means. Neither am I. You'll notice I didn't get into any specifics at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Don't I create an IMS. Stop exactly IMS. right. I know that IMS has to do with you know transaction management as well as as well as database management. Right. So, and I know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You've, so you've I, hit my wall of knowledge too. Exactly. That's where I'm going to stop, basically, from an <laughs> IMS perspective. But you know what we can do with that afterwards is right. Th- there's these different pieces of, of Ansible, um, I guess I'll call them playbooks for now. So mm-hmm. an Ansible playbook is basically, and, and I, I feel like I have to almost go into this uh, this terminology a little bit here before oh, I, I go too deep, so, I, so I'm not speaking a different language to everyone. Um, but a playbook is basically like an ordered list of tasks that you can um, call upon. You could almost think of it as like your pipeline if you're you know referring to that in a Jenkins or some other type of automation tool. And a playbook is, you know, consists of multiple modules and, and roles, um, which are basically like your specific actions and tasks that you're going to be taking on within your playbook. So your playbook is a collection of multiple, you know, roles and tasks that you're going to be hitting to complete a, a you know, a long list of tasks. Um, so what you can expect, you know, let's let's turn it back to where IMS comes into play, is you would have like a playbook in uh, to, to interact with your IMS subsystem. And yeah. when you run that Ansible playbook, let's say you're going to be, you know, defining a new transaction manage, you know, server within your IMS subsystem. Um, yeah. You would have different roles, different little tasks within that playbook to be able to define the, you know, I, I'm more of a Kix guy. So define that program name, define what connections it's making to other subsystems on your system. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all going to be different pieces of that full playbook to achieve that specific task that you're that you're trying to achieve there. So it is it. Pre, and let me I'm sorry, if I'm going to jump in here. But like we're, we're it presupposes that the like the software is already installed and running and you're 
you're talking to something that can have multiple instances. Yeah. So Ansible, you know, I think the big prereq for right now is just Python running on um, on Unix system services as well as um, the Z automation utilities. I know it calls on some of those Z automation utilities. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, it's going to find that source code, you know, the SMP installed source code on the system. Um, it's going to start ex executing off of, you know, what it can reach on there, as well as if a subsystem is already running, calling into that subsystem and hitting that specific subsystem's provided um, Ansible capabilities. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of different capabilities coming out over time across a lot of different subsystems. So does the application, whether it be Kix, IMS, DB2, WebSphere, whatever, does it need to know that it's Ansible that is doing stuff with it? Or can that all happen like through scripting and ZOSMF behind the scenes kind of stuff? So that's a great question. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure I can answer that one just yet. I, I, it, we're still pretty early on in, in you know, the development of this and how I think middleware is going to be handling these Ansible playbooks. Uh -huh. so my, my I'll give you my assumption on how this is going to work, though. This is um, Dan's assumptions. This is Dan's assumptions, asterisk. Um, so... How I, yes, I would assume that it's, you know, when an Ansible playbook is calling into a subsystem, it's going to recognize that as if it were any other type of, you know, system programmer, kicks programmer, IMS programmer interacting with that middleware. Um, I don't think that it's going to be like, hey, there's some Ansible alien calling into this subsystem and, and this is, you know, <laughs> the way that this is going to work. I think it's going to be, you know, very regulated, very simplified to the point where it's going to look and feel exactly like any other type of interaction into that subsystem. Okay. So, and you mentioned ZOSMF before. Is there a, a compare contrast for like the ZOSMF workflows? Yeah, it's a great question. So ZOSMF workflows, I think that these two are going to you know, have a lot of similarities in some ways, but also have a lot of differences in others. Um, one advantage that ZOSMF has here um, is one, it's been around a little bit and people have been using it so it's trusted as well as it's part and shipped with the ZOS operating system. Right. So, um, you know, Jeff, both of us know what our clients look for in, in, in when they're working with ZOS tooling and, and, and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and from a trust perspective, you know, I think ZOSMF is, is getting there. Um, I think that's one thing that Ansible we're going to have to work forward towards. And one thing that I'm really going to be pushing on my end is how we can trust a tool that's been you know, very prevalent in the distributed world and now coming to ZOS and how it can still be secure, how it can still be reliable, um, and how you can you know, put these pipelines and these play your playbooks into pipelines and really automate tasks on ZOS without any you know, risk that things aren't going to run the way you expect. Um, and, you know... From a workflow perspective, yeah, there's going to be a lot of similar capabilities there. You know, you can call APIs and workflows, and you can call APIs in, in Ansible playbooks. Um, with specific modules and roles that come out for Ansible, you're going to be able to do very specific tasks as you would through um, a workflow interacting with specific middleware. You know, you can already submit jobs via Ansible playbooks, which you can also do directly within a workflow. Um, one advantage I'd say that Ansible playbooks are going to have on that front is you can clone a GitHub repo, have all that code living out in the cloud, kind of speaking back to this hybrid cloud um, story that we're telling here. Um, so all your JCL can be living out in GitHub 
And you can clone mm. all that in and run that via Ansible in some of the modules that we're providing there for ZOS Core. Um, oh, wow. So the fine-tuning in the Z- in the JCL can actually live in a repository that you can edit and share and spread around that way. And it goes into action when you pull it all together in that. Uh, exactly. So that, that's, uh, that hybrid cloud, you know, developer-centric experience that we're hoping to provide on ZOS as, as other platforms have been providing for years. This is just going to further tell that story, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I'm also thinking about, like, down the road one of the frustrating things is hearing people say, well, they don't teach mainframe in schools anymore. So we can't find people that know mainframe. And we, we could, we could spend hours saying that, you know, they, they do teach people. There's lots of places for people to learn it. There's, there's other things at play here, but if someone comes out of school or, you know, out of just like a, a couple of weeks of teaching themselves Ansible and they know the the mechanics of it, you could probably show them, okay, here's all of our playbooks. Here's our modules. This calls this. And they could probably be pretty capable on a on a ZOS system. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I mean, there's still going to have to be that, you know, training on the ZOS specific tasks, right? Like submitting right. a job is still is still foreign <laughs> to a lot of people coming out of college. Um, yeah. But that's where, you know, I think that's where the whole platform is, is going towards, right? Is how are we going to be moving away from things like JCL over time? And how are we going to be creating more platform neutral experiences for developers and programmers um, and beyond there? So, I, you know, this is all part of the story that we're looking at in this hybrid cloud story, especially with our new CEO, Arvind. Um, you know, he's pushing this hard. And, and I think that, you know, especially, you know, on ZOS, you know, what drives a lot of IBM success here. I think that this is a great story to tell um, and, and a great area to look out for um, in the ZOS side of things with Ansible coming to the platform. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it really, the more I hear about it, the more it represents just a, a huge flag being uh, shoved into a mountainside up, up ahead. And we all really need to just be like updating our view of the system as, as not like, you know, not green screen, not, not, you know, submitting jobs one by one, not like, I need a resource, so I need to call this person. But as as a fully functioning citizen of a hybrid cloud environment, um, and uh, I'm I you know I'm getting a little teary over here. I'm I'm really happy that you're you're going to be the uh, person in charge of the offering management of this because uh, um, you're you get it and you're you're a doer as well. So I know you'll you'll be honest with the progress. Thank you very much, Steph. I appreciate that. And and you know I, one thing you mentioned too about you know, not all of us submitting JCL and and that, you know, I agree 100% on that side of things. But one thing I did want to kind of touch on there is, you know, a lot of our clients have JCL that they've trusted for years. Oh, Um, absolutely. And you're going to, you're not going to be able to pry their JCL or Rex out of their cold dead hands. So absolutely. (laughs) And I think that's an area that, you know, is another area where there could be a little bit of a mindset shift because we can use that same JCL that they, that they've been using for years and just call it in a different way. You know, there's Ansible roles that call and submit JCL jobs. So if Mm -hmm. we can just add that role into a playbook and automate, you know, a task, you know, a very long, I guess a complicated task, like let's say, you know, not a complicated task, but adding a user ID is usually a submission <laughs> of a bunch of different jobs on a system. Um, so if we can just call all that same JCL we've been calling for years to, to create that user ID um, and just submit it from an Ansible type of tooling and, and automation utility, 
then it's still using that trusted JCL, that trusted stuff we've been using for years, just calling it in a more modern way, and then maybe being able to do some extra stuff with it based off of that Git type of stuff that we discussed before. So this this really is uh, the next generation right here. And you, you mentioned that you were talking about like complicated tasks, and that just made me think about like, we, we've gone down the road of, of trying to automate and script stuff before, and there's Sometimes it works. There's always the chance that it ends up like the. You ever played the game of Mousetrap? Yes, I have. You know, and and like you turn the crank and the guy jumps and then it goes through the hoop and all that stuff. But like somewhere along the line, some like a marble rolls off the board and you end up having to just like you know turn the next crank by yourself or something like that. Have you have you had much you know success or experience with like? what happens when something goes wrong in in a playbook is it easy to clean up or how how robust are these things yeah so you know working in the client experience center before this new role we had been working on a project called the z modernization technical showcase and in that project we had been using ansible um but we had been using it in a different way um we were running it in a container running on um actually running in an OpenShift cluster. Um, But that Ansible was not the ZOS-specific Ansible that kind of I've Mm -hmm. been discussing. That was more of the Ansible that's been using, you know, on the distributed side of things. And and how we were interacting with that Ansible was we were calling APIs. Um, there's There's an Ansible role that is made to call different APIs. And, you know, you just change the base URL that you would specify when you do an API call. You would specify your request body in that, you know, in that JSON body there. Um, And Ansible can handle that different, um, you know, API call for you. Um, And that's how we were doing it. We were calling APIs across Kicks, across DB2, across MQ, across ZOS Connect, and even across ZOS MF, submitting some of that trusted JCL that we've had for years. and just going through APIs. Yeah, and just going through APIs. And huh. for the most part, when we saw issues with any of those API calls, it wasn't on the Ansible side. It was mostly on the subsystem side, having those endpoints not up and running. Um, the Ansible, you know, was very robust. It was very, you know, very easy to customize. You can actually have these things called, you know, host files, um, and what those host files, you know, have in them. Actually, I think they're called inventory files. Yeah, they are called inventory files. And what those inventory files have inside of them, you know, are your different systems that you can connect to. So you could have different IP addresses in there. You could have different subsystems, like different ports for your different kicks regions. Um, and you could very easily and dynamically switch between resources on your system or different systems. It's very robust. And as long as the, the Ansible developer knows what they're doing and knows how to set these playbooks up, there's very little reason why they shouldn't run successfully as long as the areas that they're calling upon are up and running and functioning the way that they are expected to be. Oh, nice. That's good to hear. Um, and you mentioned the Z modernization technical showcase. Uh, I got a, a preview of that last week and I was really blown away by it. That's, that's, that's why we're doing this terminal talk right here. Also because we wanted to announce your new job role, but <laughs> um this 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 demo can you give us like a just a quick overview of what the demo is and and how someone can you know book this or see it again yeah absolutely uh, you know for all those listening too i was telling jeff after that presentation i gave him on the z modernization technical showcase i need him to follow me around more because he gives me these incredible introductions and really ups my <laughs> ego every time that we get on a get on a meeting or on a voice chat here um 
so thank I'm you sorry again I didn't do the, another five minute one this time oh it's okay uh maybe you can throw that <laughs> into the end or something yeah I'll, I'll, edit it. yeah I'll edit it all right thank you um but yeah the z modernization technical showcase um really what we're trying to achieve there and that's a client experience and our own project that i'll be working on for the next couple of months um during my transition here but what we were trying to achieve there was we were trying to um create a single topology with a lot of different use cases in there you know, utilizing a lot of the different Z modernization capabilities from an automation perspective that are available today um, for our ZOS clients. So although we've just been talking about Ansible today, there's a lot of other options, right? We talked a little bit about workflows and ZOSMF. There's APIs and calling those APIs from automation utilities. There's also things like Zoe around now, like the Zoe CLI and the scripting abilities that come along with that. Um, Jenkins runs on Z, so you can even run your Jenkins pipelines on Z now and, and automate that way. Uh, there's also the whole IDZ and Groovy side of things. There's yeah. so many different tools that you have available to you today to automate on Z and also leverage you know, skills that are more prevalent off-platform. And that's what the Z Modernization Showcase is all about, is we start out with a blank ZOS with just SMPE installed code um, for, for subsystems, mm-hmm. and we provision... Kicks, DB2, MQ, ZOS Connect, um, configure all that to work together, and then bring up a COBOL stock trading application completely cloud native by microservicing, enable that COBOL application and running it in our OpenShift cluster. Um, and we run all that in 10 minutes. Um, and then we basically play around with our little COBOL application there just to prove that it's all working um, to the end user. But there's so much value, and, and and you know maybe your your organization doesn't need to automate the bring up of this middleware, but you could start thinking of what can you automate and, and what can you utilize this tooling that we're using for, or how can you make your COBOL application cloud native via microservices? And it, we're really trying to get those gears turning in people's minds of how they can start you know changing their environments and start working towards this modernization and cloud native story that we're all moving towards here. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to help our clients down that journey. That's awesome. And, and where, do, where do, uh, do people go? to book that yeah so there's 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 a couple different places you can go um one in the short term is reach out to me um i could definitely point you at the right areas um you could reach out to me on um email at daniel.jast at ibm.com or you can also reach out to me on linkedin that's another great place to be um but there's a more official way of requesting that um the ibm client experience centers have a portal for requesting demos and different environments and stuff like that um They actually even have now their own client experience center cloud, which is a really impressive place to go check out and get access to systems. Uh, But in there, the IBM Systems Client Experience Center portal, um, if you search for Z modernization, you will find our technical showcase. You can hit the little orange button in there to book a demo, um, and that'll get you in contact with me and my team, and we'll start figuring out how how to engage with you and, and kind of answer your questions around this whole Z modernization story and journey. Great, and I'll put the links for that in the uh, in the show notes so people can click it. Awesome. Um, so here's here's what I'm thinking. Um, how about like next year for Master the Mainframe? We uh, we we put together some uh, some Ansible challenges. 
I think that would be a great idea. I mean, I think the more that clients and customers can start getting hands-on experience with this stuff and start seeing it in action, as well as the benefits from this type of technology, you know, the sooner the better. Yeah, I, I want I want new mainframers to be uh, going into job interviews and 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 saying like, does your shop have this, this, this? And maybe they'll say, oh, we're looking at this. And like a, a fresh out of college or high school person says, yeah, I, I know how to do this. I already did it. I can do it for you. And and maybe the maybe the change comes from from uh, from the new system programmers coming in. Yeah, you know, I, I see that, too. I think that'd be a great idea, as well as the whole perspective of, oh, you've been doing that task and in, in, it's taken you two hours before to do that task. Let me automate that for you to right. make it 10 minutes. Um, yeah. And really, you know, improve productivity for their organization at a at an alarming rate. There, uh, I, I I can't wait for it. Um, Dan, thank you so much for 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 walking us through this. I feel uh, I feel a whole lot more educated uh, and a lot less vulnerable than I did before. Um, and I, I hope people follow up, uh, take you up on that offer, and follow up with uh, um, we'll see in the Z modernization technical showcase because it, it really is amazing and it uh it, it puts a face it puts a very real face on what can be done on a Z system. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. You know, I always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you or Frank or both of you whenever I get the chance on this podcast. <laughs> it's always a great time. Um, you know, if any clients are out there listening, you know, feel free to reach out to me if you want more information on the Ansible side of things. This is my new role, and I hope to kind of hit the ground running here. So if you want any more information or to kind of have a, you know, a presentation or demo on, on this technology, and let's start kind of looking at how we can, you know, implement this in your shop, I'd be happy to get with you and talk about that. Um, please reach out to me, um, as well as the technical showcase. It's a great way of kind of seeing how some of these technologies can really start being applied on our systems. Um, yeah, let, and, me, let me translate that for everybody. Dan wants to be very, very busy, but yes. he wants to be busy with the Terminal Talk listeners first. Yeah, your first crack at Dan before before you know he goes uh, before he goes GA. Yeah, please so, use so promo. <laughs> yeah, please use promo code. Dan is the best in uh, in your emails <laughs> to me, and uh, that'll make sure you get at the top of the list. Dan, thank you so much, <laughs> and uh, old man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.